Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll hear from pharmacist and physician, Dr. Richard Harris, and more about his approach to a comprehensive lifestyle medicine system and some of the fun things that he's done along the way. And if you're interested in hearing more about what I'm doing with maternal health, check out www.rxformom.com. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest in this episode is Dr. Richard Harris, who is a board-certified internal medicine physician and pharmacist. Dr. Harris attended the University of Texas at Austin for pharmacy school and then pursued medical education at the McGovern School of Medicine in Houston. As a lifelong learner, Dr. Harris continues to look for ways to grow both personally and professionally, which led him to pursue and obtain his MBA at the University of Houston. His client-centric view focuses on building relationships and trust through a comprehensive lifestyle medicine system. He's the Chief Strategy Officer for Nimbus Healthcare and Medical Director for Script Health. Dr. Harris has been a subject matter expert and guest speaker at a number of national conferences and has served on advisory boards with some of the leading minds in medicine and holistic wellness. He's an avid reader, weightlifter, and video game enthusiast in his spare time. Dr. Harris, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Hillary. And please call me Richard. We're colleagues. <laughs> Well, Richard, it is great to have you. It's always neat to have um, pharmacists who have different skill sets um, on. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a bit more about your personal life. Yeah. So one of the things that people always ask me about is pharmacists and MD, like what happened there? And I originally went to pharmacy school and I went to pharmacy school on a whim. I worked in the Dean of the pharmacy school's lab and he said, you know what? I think you'll make a good pharmacist. Why don't you apply to pharmacy school? Got in pharmacy school, loved what I was learning, but felt like I was only learning half the story. I really loved learning how you treat everything, but I didn't know how you diagnose things. And that kind of bothered me. And then it was always kind of my dream as a kid to go to medical school. And then when I got into fourth year pharmacy school around all those doctors and some of them were very disparaging towards pharmacists, I said, you know what, I'm going to show these docs what a pharmacist can do. And it was funny, my first year in residency, I was already running teams as an intern. Attendings were asking me what I should do for patients. People would be like, oh yeah, you're the guy that's a pharmacist. Like, what, what do I do about this? How do I treat mm -hmm. this? And it was a really enlightening experience. And to me, it proved the value of, of mm -hmm. pharmacy. And then I got out and started doing all different kinds of things, consulting, investing, part of two startups. But I'm really interested in the conversation around pharmacists and leveraging pharmacists to practice at the top of our licenses and to be clinical providers. And I think that's part of 
the next phase of healthcare, you know, medicine 3.0 is that integrative approach. And I think every physician, when they make a decision about a diagnosis, should be able to discuss that with a pharmacist to make a decision on medication. What's that optimal medication for that person utilizing a vast array of tools like pharmacogenetics and AI, biomarkers, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, um, yeah, I'm glad you were able to share a little bit more about some of your decisions and, uh, yes, um, have, you know, had family friends or, or, you know, friends that have, have gone on and, and pursued medical school. And of course, it sounds like a lot of people in healthcare decide to keep continue on and, and enjoy that lifelong learning, which is great. I know you've got your MBA and that was something that, was was a um, interest of mine uh, after having practiced for ten years was better understanding the business side of healthcare and um, I'm sure that's uh, suited you well as you've been tapped to join some some fun startups and things. Um, but first, before we get and get into all of that, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your clinical practice. Um, you know, what you do um, in kind of the health and wellness space uh, as an internal medicine uh, board certified physician and um, yeah, kind of your, your approach to that personalized uh, and kind of medicine 3.0, what you mean by that? Yeah, this is a term from Peter Atia, who's probably my favorite MD because the, the way he thinks and how he approaches things with a comprehensive preventative mm-hmm. view. So my approach really started off with how do we prevent disease, right? Because as a pharmacist, one of the things we read is drug literature, mm-hmm. right? And I would look at these things that people mm-hmm. are taking and I know, and we know as pharmacists, your absolute risk reduction of taking medications. And I thought to myself, if people actually knew what their ARRs were for these medications, they wouldn't take them (laughs) for stuff like cardiometabolic disease, for stuff like blood pressure, stuff like diabetes, stuff like high cholesterol, just because there's, they work at the macro level. So, you know, if you've got 300 million people and you can prevent something happening in 3% of them, that's still 3 million people that's worth it, right? But if I told you, you had a 97% chance that this wouldn't work for you, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy and be like, well, give me something with better odds. Mm -hmm. And I began to look at it like, we need to focus more on prevention, we need to focus more on treating the whole person. And that means head to toe, but also looking at their environment. Because what happens in a doctor's office is only a small microcosm of somebody's Mm -hmm. life. What happens all the time when they're not at that office? What are they eating? What's their mindset? How are they sleeping? Are they getting adequate hydration? What's their social life like? Are they getting exposed to environmental toxins? And those are the things that I began to really research on and, and come around a program to help prevent disease, and then also secondarily to get people off medications. Because I believe in a minimum effective dose, right? What If someone needs a medication, what's the lowest possible dose I can get them on? And what's the lowest amount of medications that they need? Because I'm not saying not everyone 
shouldn't take medications. There are some people who need meds. What's the lowest dose I can get them on? What's the lowest amount of medication I can get them on? And I really think our lifestyles are a huge part in that. So I opened up my own lifestyle medicine practice in 2017, had that for a couple years, then moved it online. And then I started getting into the area of nutrigenomics, making supplement decisions and optimizing vitamins and minerals around people's genetics. And around that time, we started looking at some of the the pharmacogenetic data for hair loss Mm -hmm. and started our telehealth company, Nimbus. And our flagship product is a genetic test for hair loss treatment, figuring out which one of all the different supplements and prescription meds will work best for you. And that's been a lot of fun because we've had some some pretty good results, but we also combine that with lifestyle medicine. So soon we'll be starting up a, a lifestyle medicine community, which I'll run and then I'll provide information and tactics and games and stuff like that for people to engage in improving the health of themselves and the health of their communities. And so that's the essence of, of Medicine 3.0. It's having a personalized approach working collaboratively with a physician, a pharmacist, a nutritionist, a strength expert, a movement expert, you know, to all create a cohesive ecosystem for someone to thrive. And it's not this one size fits all. Oh, you come in for this, you get a pill. You come in for that, you get a pill. No, it's figuring out how are we going to optimize this person and their environment to really thrive and live a life full of purpose and joy. Hmm. Well, I love that. And I love that you mentioned all of the different components uh, that, you know, surround basically that that team based approach um, to healthcare. So, Richard, in your lifestyle medicine clinic, which now you've been able to move online and I'm sure reach many more patients, not only just in Texas or in Houston, but across the country. Um, do you have some of these other different kind of players on your team? I know you mentioned, you know, nutrition is huge. Um, gosh, exercise is huge as well. Um, how do you, how do you weave in all of those other pieces and, and really create a customized plan for each individual that's coming to you, uh, for care? Yeah. At first I didn't, I was doing everything myself. And then I realized that that was not Mm -hmm. sustainable. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, am I going to scale up this practice and add in all these people or am I going to go a different route? And I went a different route. I went to more of a Mm systems-based approach to working with companies who are trying to solve a lot of these things, utilizing my expertise to help Mm -hmm. them. And then I really began learning about community building because I realized that even having the team in place is not enough. You need to build a community. People need to have like wellness groups where they can go, they can learn, they can talk about this stuff and and really bond together in the shared experience of preventative health Mm -hmm. or, you know, trying to get on as little medication as possible. And so I spent the last two years learning about community building, getting in some big communities, learning from people who have been very successful in that. And so the next iteration of what I'm going to do 
with lifestyle medicine is build that community. And we're going to do that through our company, Nimbus Healthcare. And so we'll have myself, we'll have a pharmacist who's a, also has a master's in nutrition. I have a friend who is a trainer who's trained stage athletes, who's trained professional athletes and trained regular people. And then I'll have other people come in as well who are different experts uh, in mindset mm -hmm. and just be part of the community. And so that way we can collectively reach people together in one place. And I think that is going to be a lot more powerful and a lot more sticky mm -hmm. than having all of these people, you know, you have one person come to many people. Now we have many people coming to many people and we've created that primal tribe, that community that human beings need to thrive. And so I'm, I'm really interested in starting this up and, and giving this experiment. Again. Yeah. Sounds fascinating. Um, I'll speak from experience and just saying that, you know, as becoming a mom or, you know, having, expecting our second, um, you know, people love communities and they go to these Facebook groups and things for all kinds of questions, including medical questions, but having a place that is, um, uh, an authoritative source and, you know, run and curated by, um, you know, trained healthcare professionals uh, is, is definitely sounds like an ideal place to, um, to go if you're wanting to get healthy and, um, you know, move on with, with a good lifestyle. So, okay. Tell us a bit about kind of your, this entrepreneurial passion and, um, how you identified, you know, this niche market of hair loss, um, to start a company, you know, you don't always see pharmacists or physicians, um, jump out into the business world. Um, maybe they own their own practice or, you know, nowadays you're seeing more and more, uh, physicians working for, you know, whether it's, you know, United Healthcare or, um, you know, other groups that are, are buying up all these different practices. Um, tell us more about kind of this entrepreneurial side that you have. Yeah, I really never thought that I was going to be a business person or, and be an entrepreneur. Um, it started in my MBA program. I didn't have the itch until my MBA program and learning about business. I got the itch to kind of go out there and see what I could do. And it's kind of funny because I had been in some businesses before and they'd all failed. Yeah. Uh, my first four businesses failed tremendously. And for some reason I kept coming mm -hmm. back. And then right now I've got a consulting practice. That's just me, but uh, it works with, startups and doing business development and clinical advising. I work for uh, some big supplement companies and helping them. I also am a professional speaker. I travel around the country talking about lifestyle medicine. And I have another business where I supervise nurse practitioners and pharmacists uh, for pharmacist prescriptive authority. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those two businesses, they're not something I can scale up massively, but they bring in some income on the side, right? And then it was doing the nutrigenomic stuff. 
And I started just doing that for friends and family. Sometimes if people reach out to me online and ask if I offered services, I tell them, hey, here's what I do. Really focused around metabolic health. And I began to see that people were getting pretty resounding responses to customizing therapy based upon their genetics. And what happened is I have a friend, Joby John, he's a pharmacist in Austin who has alopecia areata. Mm -hmm. And he began looking at better ways to treat his alopecia because he's worked with a lot of, you know, big time holistic professionals, Kendall Stewart at GX Sciences. He's worked with, with him and found out that there were genetic information about how to pick the best treatment for hair loss. So he reached out to me and said, Hey, this is something I'm thinking about doing. Will you do it? And I said, yeah, that sounds awesome because now most people don't realize about hair loss. They think it's all cosmetic. But if you look at the data, when people start to lose their hair, there's an increase in depression, decrease in work performance, decrease in sexual desire, right? So there are some really significant consequences to that because it's all part of our identity. And so I think of it as a gateway to what can happen in medicine 3.0, get people in the system for something that they think is cosmetic and get exposed to a whole bunch of other stuff on the back end. And we also do some uh, hormone work and we have some plans for some, some metabolic products in the future as well. So that's really how we, how we started was it was through his journey and my journey, which seemed kind of separate at the time, but kind of came together when he began to look at treating himself. And I said, Hey, I've been doing this work for a couple of years now with genetics and treatment plans, and it's really been working. Let's see if we can bring this up to the big scale. And, and that's how Nimbus Healthcare started. And two years later, we're slowly, slowly growing. It's a tough time for an entrepreneurial startup right now. You know, the cost of capital is really, really high. Mm -hmm. And so we're having to bootstrap, but you know, we're, we're doing it. We're growing every single month. We're starting an omni-channel approach, which has been great. We're working with med spas and barbershops. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm really excited about the future of where we're going to go with, with Nimbus. Interesting. So Richard, you've mentioned a couple of times the, you know, genetic piece, but specifically the nutrigenomics and in the pharmacy world, you know, you'll hear the term pharmacogenomics a lot. Can you kind of help separate those out or maybe, uh, even give some more, um, you know, background on how those two things can kind of be combined. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I believe that the future of pharmacy is in two aspects. It's in pharmacogenetics and it's in clinical services. Pharmacogenetics is really, really interesting because we know that people metabolize things differently. People have different receptor densities. People have different downstream effects when something binds to a receptor and looking at that and being able to better model how someone's going to respond to a medication is really fascinating. And you're seeing already, you know, with chemotherapy, um, I believe with blood pressure as well, that they're seeing significant improvements using a pharmacogenetic approach. So that's part of that medicine 3.0 system is having that pharmacist part of the integrative team getting that genetic information and being able to utilize that information to better manage which one or class of drugs can I put you on based upon their mechanism of action. 
like, okay, you would do better with a drug that targets this receptor versus this receptor. Mm -hmm. And then the nutrigenomics part is looking at from a vitamin and mineral perspective. We know there's many SNPs out there that identify having a lower blood level or higher blood level of certain nutrients or vitamins. And being able to say, okay, you need a little bit more help in this area. Because nutrient deficiencies aren't rare. They're pretty mm -hmm. common. Most Americans don't intake enough vitamin C. I believe the name state is like 50%. I think it's 45% for zinc up to 65% for magnesium. There was like 99% for potassium that most Americans don't intake enough of. So we have these, these inadequate nutrient intakes. Then you combine that with genetic susceptibility. And then you can end up in some, some really dysfunctional situations from a metabolism perspective. And so that's what I did with the nutrigenomics was try to figure out what was the best vitamin mineral food plan for people that optimize intake of certain nutrients and put that cell into the state that, that was going to thrive the most. And then I started working with a company called Routine that does that. They do genetic testing, they do metabolite testing, and they custom make supplements for people based upon their genetics and, and their metabolome, yeah. which is the future for, for every person as that scales up and becomes more affordable and easy to do. So that's where we're heading to is if you look at the old paradigm of medicine, it was let's do a randomized control trial on, you know, 10,000 people and let's whatever the results say, this is the best for everyone. But we know that there's a lot of heterogeneity in these trials. It worked for some people. It didn't work for others. And then what do you mean by work? Was it 50% response, 25% response, 75% response? Where was it in that range? And so this approach really tries to hone down, okay, your person A will respond to treatment B better than treatment C, or maybe you need treatment D and F plus B to get to your outcome. And so it's really that N of one medicine, using that population data to guide you, but then using that individual person's genetics and metabolome to hone in on what the, is the best therapy for them. And that to me is is really exciting and really fascinating because then we are truly doing personalized care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that and um, definitely see that as more of the the future. We talk so much about population health and it's a and it's a buzzword and that is important. But being able to to customize and to personalize that um, experience is so needed. Um, so what are some of the things that maybe you do on kind of a daily basis to help maintain your health? I know you've mentioned, you know, sports, you do, you do enjoy sports, traveling, philanthropy, you're involved in your church. Uh, what are some of the things that kind of are essential for you for maintaining a healthy lifestyle? The number one thing is putting my life in God's hands. That's the number one thing because that alleviates stress, worry, strife in my life, right? That's the number one thing. And I think as I got stronger in my faith, it's no coincidence that my health improved. Most people see me now, I'm 40 and they can't believe that I'm 40 at all. 
and it's just because of, of my behavior set, but it's also because of my mindset. So if you look at it, I like to call it the five pillars of health and it's mindset, sleep, nutrition, exercise, and stress management. And so these are the things that I try to take care of all five of these pillars every single day. So for instance, I do about 10 minutes of breath work every day. Most of the time it's when I'm in the car driving to the gym. I like the habit stack. Mm -hmm. So I'm breathing while I'm driving anyway. I may as well do some breathing exercises while I'm driving. And then there are things like exercise. You know, I work out six days a week. You don't need to work out six days a week, but 75 minutes a week. If you can do that, great. Two days of strength training, one day of cardio. Great. Get 8,000 steps a day is my goal. I have a minimum of 4,000. So if I'm well below that, it's time to go take the dog and go for a long walk Mm -hmm. to the park. So 8,000 steps a day is my goal for movement plus my exercise. They're completely different. They're separate. They have different biological reasons why you need both. You can't just have one or the other. You can't just work out for an hour and then be sedentary the rest of the day. You have to have both. I prioritize my nutrition. So nutrition is a very long subject, but I try to do three simple things with my nutrition. Number one, prioritize protein. Whenever I have a meal, I think about where's my protein. Number two is fiber. So protein first, fiber second. Number three is hydration. Where's my water? So that's how I think about my meals. It keeps things pretty simple. That means I'm eating majority whole foods. Next thing is sleep. I try to get at least seven hours of sleep a night, seven, seven and a half hours. You know, I have a wind down routine, turn the lights off, um, turn the overhead lights off, turn floor lights on when it gets dark outside. Try to wind down like 30 minutes before bed. So turn off screens, read, maybe lavender um, in the essential oil diffuser. Maybe do a little like light sauna work or heat before bed. I try to do about 20 minutes of like infrared sauna and PEMF a day. Sometimes I'll do meditation while I do that. Sometimes I'll do prayer while I do that. Now, some people listening may be like, man, that sounds like a <laughs> lot. I actually added it. Uh-huh. I spend 13% of my waking time on activities that promote my health. And that includes cooking. Mm-hmm. 13%. That's it. That means I have a lot of other time for all these other activities. Mm-hmm. But if you don't prioritize your health, eventually you're going to be made to prioritize your health. And I'd rather do it proactively than reactively. Absolutely. Well, those are some really great tips. And I'm glad that you you ended with that. It, it really only takes about 13% of your time. And I think another really important thing too is, you know, that you are a good example you know, you're leading by example um, in in practicing what you are preaching, right, to your patients. And so they see you, you know, living a healthy lifestyle with all of these different components. And, um, you know, that's just such a great uh, encouragement to, you know, patients and to others to, to live up to that as well. So, um, so Richard, as our final question that I love to ask all of our guests is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? 
what would I tell my younger self? Invest in Bitcoin and <laughs> and retire by the time you're 25. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Number one thing I would tell my younger self, for sure. Um, outside of that, the practically, I would, I would tell my, my younger self that you're going to become everything you ever dreamed of and more. Because my younger self was lost. I didn't feel like I belonged. I was angry. I was sad. Um, I was very self-deprecating. I didn't really believe in myself. I didn't believe that I could achieve things. I did things to prove people wrong, not for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so I would just be more, I would tell myself to be kinder to myself, that it's okay to make mistakes, that it's okay to fall down, that it's okay if not, if people don't like you, it's okay if you get things wrong on a test. And, and just to keep getting up. And luckily, I, I did that. I As many times as I fall, I still got up. I, I never wanted to quit. I didn't want people to think I was a quitter. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I would tell myself is just some kind words and, and tell myself to, to stay on the path because the path I'm ended up on is, is one that's helped a lot of people. And it's still going. So Awesome. I think God put me in a good situation and in a good place. And I've lived a really, really blessed Mm -hmm. life. Amazing. Well, thank you, Richard. It was great to hear about so many different, you know, facets of what makes you, you and uh, the importance of, you know, being a lifelong learner and having a strong faith and, uh, you know, leading by example and uh, excited to see what else is in store uh, for you and and some of these companies that you're involved with community building for lifestyle medicine and, and helping people with hair loss and, and other medical issues. So thank you so much for being a guest on the talk to your pharmacist podcast. Thank you for having me, Hillary. 